Welcome to another episode of Future Folio, a podcast about investing in the future. My name is Adam Bloom. My co-host Kevin Lum is uh, not available just at the moment, um, so uh, I'm I'm handling the intro, which is uh, I don't know. I guess I take it for granted when Kevin does this, but. It feels like he's got this down to a very like precise Gene Kelly style soft shoe routine of opening these shows. And uh, I'm not 100 uh, percent convicted that I'm doing it as well as he usually does. But here we are. Um, the episode today is about dog coins, meme tokens, uh, Doge, Shiba Inu, Flocky. These coins that uh, Kevin and I have been making fun of pretty much since we started the podcast and yet continue to ignore us and at least occasionally explode in value and mint along the way new millionaires and billionaires. And finally, I I texted Kevin after the latest round of uh, explosive dog coin explosions and said, we got to do an episode about this. So this is that episode Uh, we have on the show today, a buddy of mine from Coinbase, Drew Pendleton, who is on the learning development team at Coinbase. He trains people at Coinbase about crypto and he has thoughts and very strong feelings about crypto and especially about dog coins. He's a buddy of mine. He's a good guy. He's like the doctor in Lebowski. He's a good man and thorough. And so we were fortunate to have him on the show today. We're not going to do a news segment. We're just going to get right into uh, a chat that Kevin and I had with Drew. Um, Really fun conversation about dog coins, what they mean, what they don't mean, um, and, uh, and how they fit into um, our views, mine and Kevin's and Drew's of crypto past, present and future. Um, so, uh, really good chat, um, without further ado. Oh, wait, the disclaimer, let us, let us now disclaim. This podcast is not financial advice, is not legal advice, is not, uh, educational, particularly, uh, is offered only for entertainment purposes and possibly not even that. So uh, do your own research, make your own podcast, uh, pack your own lunch, BYOB, I before E except after C, all the things. We're not responsible for whatever you do. Don't make any changes to your portfolio. Don't change your uh, socks. Don't change your route to work. Um, Don't change the direction that you brush your teeth. If you are a left to right person and after listening to this podcast, you think maybe I should try right to left. Don't. Um, So that is the disclaimer. Uh, Okay, with that out of the way, let's go now to uh, uh, my my conversation and Kevin's conversation with uh, Drew Pendleton. All right. So today we have Drew Pendleton with us. Drew is a colleague of mine at Coinbase. Um, Drew, go ahead. Tell the nice people what it is that you do at the Coinbase company. Yes, I am the training lead for learning development team, specifically for our institutional side. So basically, I put together all the training material and facilitate a bunch of trainings for any any Coinbase new hires or even tenured hires, uh, train them on any products that we have, features, crypto knowledge, all that good stuff. Okay, so would it be fair to say then that you are reasonably well informed 
about various cryptocurrencies and their merits and uh, possible shortcomings. Yeah, I think that that would be fair. I don't want to sound too proud on the call, but I, uh, I think that I'm familiar enough that I think I could have a conversation or two about it. All right, good. So uh, calling back, hearkening back to my lawyer roots, we can qualify you as an expert witness on this. Correct. So, all right. So, Drew, the reason that I have insisted that you uh, join us on on uh, on the podcast today and, and thanks for making time um, is because uh, you and I share a similar conviction um, that uh, neither of us is particularly interested and Kevin as well in owning meme coins or dog coins, Doge, Shiba Inu, Safe Moon, these tokens that uh, seem to have no discernible underlying utility other than um, their fun and may or may not reference um, Internet jokes, uh, mostly stuff about somehow related to Elon Musk somehow. Um, but I'm lately beginning to have a sort of not a crisis of faith, but a crisis of lack of faith, I guess, because I'm seeing this latest wave of stories of newly minted millionaires and billionaires who just, you know, with very little forethought or understanding or comprehension of anything, just went out and bought a little bit of Sheeb. Like there was a story that went around uh, crypto Twitter of a guy who in, I think, 2020 dropped $8,000 and just, you know, bought $8,000 worth of Sheeb, stuck it in a wallet. And then now a year and a half later, he's got five billion with a B dollars. That's that hurts. You know, I've done a lot of work to understand crypto and to make investments in certain of these coins. I don't have eight billion dollars. And so it's beginning to um, become difficult to deny the fact that these things seem to work. Like if you invest in this, you can make money. So I've asked you on to please help me. I'm having like, you know, you're sort of my anti meme coin sponsor. I need you to talk me out of this. I'm really feeling weak right now. Oh, Where do you? Thing. Uh, Many people have had the same feelings as you, but uh, you know, and that's why we have friends to talk us off the ledge, Adam. Yeah, thank you. So, okay, so we've seen this with Doge. Now we've seen this with Sheep. We're starting to see this with Flocky, the coin that is named after Elon Musk's dog for no reason at all. Um, what do you, I mean, what do you think in the face of these, these waves of stories that have happened now in several cycles across several years of people getting rich off of meme coins? How do you look at that and say, I, I don't care, I'm still not interested? It's a great question and it's something that I've battled with a little bit, but it hasn't been too difficult for me. Here's why. To me, it comes down to one, one single thing, and that's your principles. Uh, it sounds ridiculous, but why do you participate in cryptocurrency? What is it about for you? Is it about turning pennies into billions of dollars, or is it about replacing a broken and outdated financial system and benefiting the lives of everyone who's involved? To me, I don't care to become a millionaire overnight. Would it be great? Yes. Would all of my problems go away? No. What I care about more. Yes. Is, oh, okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. What I care about more of is, I mean, to be blunt is wall street and centralization and governments not having the right to monopolize or control the supply of money 
and consequently, you know, have an impact on people's lives who are every day me and you. And I don't see any utility or any advantage to these dog or meme coins at all, save the fact that they turn a lucky few from your medium or middle class individuals into uber rich overnight. But to me, that's not it's not aligned with what cryptocurrency is about. It halts the progress of the message of cryptocurrency. It's counterintuitive to the foundation and the roots of Bitcoin. And more, more people than not will be burned from these because they think they're going to get rich. And it's only a matter of time until we pull back the curtain and see this is not what cryptocurrency is. This is not something that can sustain in the crypto economy. This is not a price that continually go up. I mean, you look at Doge where they create 5,000 coins a second. How is that something that is going to maintain the demand to continue to increase the price of it? So uh, I'm a rambler, I'll stop there. But that's, uh, to me, it's not even a question of why, why would I not want to be involved? Because I want nothing to do with it. I have no interest in being a part of it. It's it's not cryptocurrency. All right. So, Kevin, um, let's uh, let's get your view on this. You are uh, representing all of the people on Earth who do not work for Coinbase in this conversation. Where do you come down on uh, on cryptocurrencies? I mean, obviously, crypto in general is is pretty outside the mainstream of the products that you're investing in or certainly advising people to invest in. And you and I have chatted a little about this, but I mean, we're seeing this over and over and and this is anecdotal stuff. These people getting uber rich off these things, but it becomes hard to argue with. Um, so so, uh, you know, where does this land for you? Um you know, I, I think it's interesting and I feel, I mean, the same, everything that Drew just said, I would agree with. Um, and I, I think what I've, I've noticed is that you, you, with any major wave or any major movement, you, you have initially kind of the true believers or the philosophers of the movement, the people who get interested in it because of what it represents, what it's about. And so, you know, that's kind of the original people that were in Bitcoin is they saw a new way to do finance, a way, new way to do money. Um, something that's deregulated or at least um, that's not controlled by any central authority. And then eventually you kind of, as you move down the line, you start the speculators come in and, and, and people who know nothing about the original vision, but all they care about is we can make a quick buck and they don't know anything about the technology or the, the origin story other than maybe they heard of, you know, that there was this guy who, you know, uh, I can't even think of his name now. Uh, Satoshi. I'm blanking on Satoshi. Uh, they may have heard the story of Satoshi, but I mean, that's all they know. They know nothing else. They don't understand how blockchain works, but they opened up the Robinhood app or maybe they're on Coinbase and they saw that they could trade this and their friends are getting rich. Right? And there's very much of a mob mentality. I mean, and this has been going on in markets all the way back to the tulip craze, you know, 500 years ago. But the thing is, I think we're seeing the exact same thing happen in the equities market. So this, you know, no one's going, uh, taking their, you know, however much $8,000 and turning it into $5.9 billion. But you're seeing the same kind of craze happen with stocks like AMC and with GameStop. Uh, and, and there's, there's a, there's almost a belief system that's kind of wrapped around it. This, there's a, a sense of hopefulness 
that maybe this will be my ticket out. And, and I think this in some way speaks to a, a way that a lot of people have really, they don't see a lot of way for upward mobility. And um, the financial markets seem rigged. You know, they, they came of age uh, or starting to come of age in, you know, 2008, 2009. And they, they think the banking system is broken. They think Wall Street is broken. And they have friends who are making money on on you know, these these um, these meme coins, and who are making money on, uh, from Wall Street bets and other places. And they want to be a part of it. And what's kind of struck me is I've talked to people, and I haven't talked to as many people who are into the meme coins, but I've talked to people who are into um, some of the the meme stocks. And there's a real belief that these companies are going to be transformational, um, and that it's a way for the for their family to build wealth or for them to get rich. And um, it, it's often hard when you're talking to them because everything in me wants to say like, this isn't going to work out well for you. Or if the story is I've made a ton of money, I just want to scream, you should sell now while you still can because this isn't going to end up well for you. But when I, and, and the few people that I've tried to say that to, their response is almost always, I just, you just don't understand. This is different this time. And so one guy, we were talking about AMC and I was like, he's like, it's going to a thousand dollars a share. And I pulled it up and I was like, do you realize how large a market cap the company would have if it was worth a thousand dollars a share? And I was like, there is no revenue. There's nothing to support that. It will not, there's no way it's going to make it to a thousand a share. And he's like, man, but I've read in the Wall, on Wall Street bets. And I was like, you and I tried laying it out for him and I just could not get it through to him. He's like, it's going to a thousand, man. And, and I think the same way with these, these memes, uh, these meme coins is that people don't understand kind of the basic mechanics of how blockchain works. They don't understand how many doge are being printed a second. All they know is it's going up. They see the chart. They see the commercials on TikTok and other places or people, the people on these um, platforms talking about it. And they just want to get a piece of this because they think it is their one chance to maybe stick it to Wall Street um, and also maybe build some wealth. Yeah, and unfortunately, some of those people are going to end up being what uh, sometimes referred to as exit liquidity, where they are uh, they could end up being the sort of quote unquote greater fools who come along and buy it from the people who invested early, and then the people who invested early take the profits and go home, and everyone else is left holding the bag. But look, I want to I want to go back to um, Drew something you said that these coins have no utility. Um, uh, this is an interesting question. Um, do you guys remember a few months ago when uh, Bill Maher had that rant on his show about how uh, crypto was stupid, Bitcoin was stupid, we should shut it down? Um, do you recall this? Did you, did either of you see this? I didn't watch it, but I remember it. All right. So I I watched it and it was like classic old man. I don't get this. And I'm upset that I don't get this sort of no idea what he's talking about. But what he said that um, what he said that that struck me was he said Bitcoin's not necessary. And so we don't need it because it's not necessary. I thought, my God, you work in television. What's less necessary than television? You know, but uh, but the point is that television is not necessary. We survived for 10,000 years without it. But in the 50 years that we've had it, we've had a lot more fun. Right. So it has utility, um, even even if it's not strictly speaking necessary. And so what's interesting to me is when you have like the Doge army and the Sheeb army, what are these people getting from this? 
And um, what I what I read consistently is that people have a sense of ownership. So it's like they want a coin or they want, uh, you know, a token, something, a system of money that feels like it, it's their own. You know, I remember yeah. uh, earlier in the year reading that people were starting to refer to Bitcoin as boomer coin because it was the the crypto that had been taken over by, you know, older investors that the the institutions and the, um, you know, 50 something white guys with the Bloomberg ter- terminals were starting to figure out, oh, Bitcoin is a thing that can make me money. And they were storming into the space and taking it away from the younger people who had actually conceived it and launched it. I mean, without, you know, knowing uh, who knows who who Satoshi is or, you know, is plural or is or are or or whatever. But, um, you know, the the younger people who popularized uh blockchain technology, I think, feel like they're being encroached upon by banks and hedge funds and uh, venture capital funds and the SEC. And so they're retreating back to these tokens that they feel like are their own. And, you know, it's it's uh, Doge and and Sheeb and Flocky and SafeMoon. And so, you know, um, I guess I would say, uh, you know, I would just put it to you guys like, how does that land for you? The idea, you know, people say like, oh, it's funny. I invest in it because it's funny. I've heard Vitalik say that, that, you know, I, when he first yeah. heard of Doge, he put uh, 10,000, I think he said into Doge or 30,000 into Doge because he was like, oh, this is cute. And he said it ended up being one of my most successful investments and he sold it too soon and it was still one of his most successful investments. So, um, yeah, I don't know. How do you how do you uh, uh, drew? I'll 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 put this to you. Obviously, these coins are not the ones where you feel like you're going to hang your hat and say, this is my baby. This is this is where I live on the blockchain. But, uh, you know, I mean, how do you how do you process that? The idea that people look at this and say, I don't care who the team is. I don't care what it does. I don't care how fast they're minting them. I feel at home here. This is my currency because it's my community and I want to participate. How do you take that? Uh, Honestly, I'm going to offend a lot of people with this, but how poor is your life that you find purpose and value in a dog coin that has no meaning and no value? beyond trying to make you rich. Like find some sort of fulfillment and some sort of purpose in anything else. Like when I invest my money, this is this is money that has been taxed and earned. I want it to grow and accumulate and go towards something that I believe in and that I identify with. I get that part of it. I don't understand how you can identify with a dog coin. I truly don't. And to, not to go back to the GME and, and AMC, but like to Kevin's point earlier, I do identify with that. I worked at a Wall Street bank before I worked at Coinbase. I frankly think that Wall Street is incredibly corrupt. But when you're when you're buying GME, you are you are betting against those who are shorting GME. When you're buying Doge, yeah. it's not a bet against Wall Street. Like that, there's no there's no concept of what they're even doing. I'd just short anecdote like last week or two weeks ago, everything in the market was green. Everything, all top 20 coins, except for Shiba Inu. I went and showed my roommate. I said, hey, look, who had been talking about becoming ultra rich. No research, 
no understanding, no foundation upon it at all. He said, oh, looks like a good time to buy. And then went and poured <laughs> a major portion of his paycheck into Shiba. Now he tripled his investment in the next week and made fun of me every single day about it. <laughs> I don't care. Like I don't, I don't find any sense of fulfillment in participating in a fad or the equivalent of a pyramid scheme that makes no sense. So long answer, much shorter, like to me, why? Why are you doing this other than to get rich quick? I'm not investing in Bitcoin to get rich quick. I'm investing in Bitcoin because I think it's the safest and best way to secure the money that I have made for myself. If you want to gamble on on dog coins or meme coins, go ahead. I like gambling on the NFL. I'm not very good at it, but it makes my games more exciting. But it's not the purpose of my life. It's not my ticket out, as you guys have mentioned. It's just something that I enjoy on my Sunday afternoons. It's not something that I would like to put all of my hard-earned money into. And I want more. I want more. I, I want more for the community. I I think uh, I think that people investing in this on a mass level is bad for cryptocurrency adoption. It cannot last. And I wish that we could yeah. educate people more so they would stop doing this. Like, congratulations that you've made money. In the long run, you've lost money for the majority of the people who cryptocurrency was designed to help. And that's the point. I, Adam and I were talking about this the other day, and that's where I really came down to is I think long term, this is bad for the blockchain and the crypto community. It's bad from the standpoint of the regulators because it it makes regulators look at this and say, this is not this is not a sophisticated investment. This is just craziness and speculation. And, and then it's also bad from the, the consumer side because people are going to get burned in the same way the stories circulate of someone going from 8,000 to 5.9 billion. There's going to be stories of people going from 250,000 to $250. I mean, you already, we saw it with the squid games. Uh, oh yeah. We should mention week. that, that, yeah, there was a, a big rug pull, several million dollars. I forget the exact number, but somebody minted a token called squid game and then waited until a bunch of people bought it and then just uh you know took the entire supply and ran the entire remaining it's supply actually, and ran and this is maybe tragic i don't really know the story behind it and maybe it was staged but it's pretty hilarious there's a there's a video that's circulating around online of a guy day trading it and he's like you know it's going up it's going up i'd buy here and then all of a sudden he's like no what's happening <laughs> like it just goes completely to the bottom um it may have been staged. I love but, that stuff. But yeah, that's- I love it. That's terrible. They're everyday people. I should not <laughs> celebrate their failure. I know. To me, it's just vindication. All right. Yeah. So I have I have uh, the devil's advocate counter argument to this, which is um, on the one hand- uh, yeah, if if these if and when these tokens go to zero and people a lot of people lose their shirt or lose, you know, significant amount of money or whatever money they've put in, um, that's certainly a lot of negative press for crypto. But uh, the counter argument would be you are bringing people into the space who don't feel at home otherwise. Like for me. I sort of, as I've learned more about crypto, I feel like Ethereum is kind of, um, 
you know, more or less the one that I look at and kind of get the warm and fuzzy feeling. I like Vitalik. I like the project. I like what they're doing. The gas fees are awful. They're working on it. Um, They're going to proof of stake. They're going to reduce the energy consumption. They seem to be genuinely trying to do the right things, even if they're not always doing them perfectly. And the way they've rolled out the beacon chain, I think, has been really impressive so far, Um, has by and large worked. Extremely, extremely complicated example of building building the plane while you're flying it and they're doing it. So I'm yeah. I'm good there, but I understand that like if you're not, you might want to be somewhere else and that might be in a dog coin where you're like, "Oh, this is silly. I love it." Um, you know, I like these memes, I like this joke. I'm in on the joke. Um, now I don't uh, you know, I I particularly don't like what Elon and um, people like Mark Cuban do. You know, I've I, I've actually met Mark Cuban before and, and he's a very charming guy, incredibly bright. And you start talking to him and he's like Google for business, just like any question you ask him about business. He seems to just like just, you know, he said, I found these 10 billion results for you in point zero five seconds. He's he's very bright. But when he starts pumping up Doge and saying we're going to accept Doge for Mavs tickets, it feels to me like you're drawing people in in a way that's just not fair. Like you have billions of dollars. If you want to speculate on Doge and lose your shirt, that's your business. You have other shirts. Not everybody is in that position. Um, and it seems to me a little bit uh, irresponsible. I would say it's just unfair to people. Um, but, uh, you know, I do think that there are people who are genuinely understand that they're buying a lottery ticket and they don't care. Um, they just want to be yeah. in. And there are people who otherwise would not feel at home on the blockchain, that there are none of these coins that feel like it's theirs. Um, so I think it, it, at least in that sense, it, it could be growing the community in that way. Um, and if it becomes an on-ramp for people who start with Doge and then say, actually, I kind of like ETH or something else, uh, you know, maybe there's a, a path there for them to get involved in in what I guess the three of us might describe as more substantial projects. Um, so that's number one. Number two is, and this is my own theory for which there may not be any actual support, but I think that, you know, the fact that uh, we only have two meme stocks in the entirety of the stock market. We have GME and we have AMC. Um, And the rest of the stock market pretty much has not been um, has not been visited by this kind of overabundance of enthusiasm about companies with questionable futures. I think that's because a lot of that gambling energy has been diverted into the crypto market and into the dog coins, where people who would otherwise be looking for this or that stock to get too excited about for no reason are just buying Doge. And that, frankly, that keeps the swimming pool clean and the equity market where it's like, thank God, (laughs) these people, because when GME and AMC start to happen, the immediate prediction was we're going to see more of this. We're going to see more of this. And we've had a huge year on the stock market of all time high, all time high, big earnings big earnings, all time high. And yet we are still only really talking about two meme stocks. So it seems to me that a lot of that energy, um, that money that people want to play with for whatever reason, for good or for ill, has been diverted into things like meme tokens that absorb some of that energy and keep it out of the equities market, 
which is probably long term better for the stability of the equities market. Um, yeah. So uh, I guess, uh, you know, what, what would uh, I, Kevin, I'll I'll, uh, I'll throw it to you. How, how does either or both of those ideas land on you? Number one, you know, there are certainly people who are getting into meme coins without knowing what they're doing. But there are also people who are like would otherwise not be participating who say, I'm not really interested in this other stuff, but I like this. And that number two, yeah. you're keeping this sort of hardcore gambling energy out of the equities market by giving it a place to go. Yeah, that's, uh, so I have a couple thoughts on that. Uh, I, I think first of all, it, I think you're right. It is removing a little bit of that hardcore gambling pressure. In fact, I think it's made it a little harder for some of the growth stocks to continue um, their growth trajectory and they pull back a bit because some of that energy that was there in March of 2020 and afterwards has kind of shifted over to some of the meme coins. But I also think you have exuberance going on in the market beyond just the, you know, GME and and GameStop and, you know, I mean, uh, and AMC. I mean, you, you see a, a stock will hit and, you know, the other day it was, uh, I think it's Marquette, MQ. Yeah. Uh, Marquetta. It, it was up by, yeah, Marquetta. It was up by 20% in one day and then it was down by 15% the next day. And I mean, so you still do see some of the exuberance in the market. But I, I kind of want to walk back a little bit of what I, I said earlier and and I think there is a sense that, uh, you know, I, I feel that I'm a fairly sophisticated investor and I have missed out on some of the upside gains in, you know, GME and AMC. And and I think sometimes they're viewed uh, retail investors and some of these investors are viewed as as kind of simpletons and bumpkins by Wall Street and by the professional class. But I actually think many of them are much savvier than we give them credit for. You know, so I was thinking the other day about Hertz when I, I remember when Hertz went went bankrupt. Um, let's, let's let Drew back in. I, I remember um, when Hertz went bankrupt and the you know retail investors, the Wall Street bets crowd was driving the price of it up. Everyone on Bloomberg is talking about how how dumb the retail investor is and these, these speculators, and they don't understand what they're doing. And it turns out that they were right and Wall Street was wrong. And, you know, and in the same way with AMC, the, you know, the Ape Nation has in some ways kept AMC alive and given them a second lease on life. And same thing with GME, right? There, it, it was speculative to some extent. Uh, it is speculative, but there's some thoughtfulness behind taking those positions. And, and so I do think that some of the people who are making these bets are going into it with their eyes wider open that I want to sometimes give them credit for partially because I'm, I'm bitter that they're getting rich and I'm not, Yeah. but you know, like I, I do think it's a calculated risk. Like the, I was, you know, I was telling you all before we got on here that my contractor was telling me that he'd made a significant amount of money in Shibu and, uh, or Shiba and, uh, his, he wanted to get out and his wife convinced him. She's like, no, when we bought this stock, we put $3,000 in and we said, we are completely willing to lose it. And we probably will, but we also want to see if we can make some real life-changing wealth. I mean, he didn't use that word, but I, I think that's what they're hoping for, right? Something that really changes their situation. Talked to someone else recently about NFTs, right? If this goes well, I'm going to have a down payment 
on the house. And, and that one may have been the most illuminating. And going back to what I said before is there's a lot of people in our age cohort who just who because of the skyrocketing um, cost of homes and because of wage growth that has been incredibly slow up until this point, they they kind of are blocked out of buying their first home and a lot of the things that our parents' generation were able to do and where else are they going to go and get that equity? And so if they've made a calculated bet, you know what, I'm gonna put a thousand or 2000 in this, I may end up losing it all, but I don't know where else I'm going to go and to get that money. And so I'm gonna see what happens here because I know some other people have. And so I don't know if it's always quite as unthinking as, as um, as I sometimes want to believe Yeah, it is. I mean, to your earlier point, when I've spoken to, uh, I had a, a friend who got very much into GME, and uh, and when I talked to him about it, it was almost unbearable, the level of technical analysis. Yeah. It was, yeah. you know, I was like, okay, dude, I, I just, you know, I get it. I don't believe in the business. Um, you know, Kevin, I think you and I talked about this in the very first episode we did of this show where we were just like, GME, like whoever cared? I didn't even care about GameStop in the 90s. No. And, yeah. But, you know, but uh, but people had had done their research um, for better or for worse. And the truth is, like GameStop before it went bonkers was at like 20 or 30 dollars. And after all the madness of this year, it's at like, what, 180 or something. Yeah. So something uh, happened there. Today. Yeah, big, there you go. Oh, my God. So there you go. It, it's you know, they they it, it Drew's, Drew's not telling us he has a sizable portion of his uh, portfolio and GME. He's been watching it all day. Yeah, In fact, still, while we're talking, I he's still hold it. I am not ashamed. <laughs> See, I, am not ashamed. I love GME. I love what it stands for, but I don't, I don't want people to get confused. Being a GME holder is not the same as being a Doge holder. Unless explain. there's data that I'm unaware. Yeah. Yeah. You explain this because to me, it often feels like it's the same it's the yeah, same crowd that's doing that's right. both. To me, it feels like the difference between like Baptist and Episcopalian, where it's like, OK, the music is a little different, but you're both basically saying the same thing, you know? That's, that's a fair point. I, OK, so to me, uh, what, what's what's going on with GME? Well, you have hedge funds and Wall Street shorting it and not only shorting it, but shorting over 100% of the flow, which means yeah. they, without getting too technical, and to be frank, I don't understand all of the technicalities behind it, but in the simplest terms possible, they are, they're borrowing more shares than exist which yeah. is trying to, of course, plummet the stock price so that they, they can profit off of it. Yeah, and so it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. It becomes impossible for the stock to go up. Yeah. Right, but all of America and the world and retail gets together and says, we're not selling this, that you've, you've now limited the supply. If the demand goes up at all, then you have a squeeze and then that's the essence of the short squeeze, so to speak. But then with a the gamma squeeze with the options as well. So you have to pay out these options when they're, uh, when they're expiration, you have to get those shares from somewhere in order to pay the option holder. That's going to put upward pressure on the price. It's a never ending cycle. I love what GME holders believe in. I watched all five hours of I'll be polite and choose clean language to describe Vlad Tenev, even though I think he's one of the most evil people on the planet. And Robinhood and Citadel and Wall Street are and and everything that is on the opposite side of GME. I don't see anything there that says that's happening with Doge. I don't see these companies 
or these bankers shorting Doge and everyone's pouring money into Doge to try to stick it to Wall Street or stick it to the man. They're pouring it in there because it's fun and it's a meme coin and they want to get rich quick. Would I love to capitalize and get some money from GameStop? Yes. But more than anything, I love watching Wall Street suffer. I love watching hedge funds yeah. have to close out their positions or clean up shop or file for bankruptcy because they've overextended themselves on these positions and done something that is illegal and got caught. Like that is the, to me, that's the beauty of GME. And in a sense, the beauty of AMC, it's not a consequence is that you are going to get capital gains from this. But really, the underlying principle is that we have these corrupt institutions who are always blaming the middle class and the average Joe for all the problems in society while they are just doing whatever they want, playing by their own rules. And they got caught. Hey, yeah. we screwed you. We found out what you were doing and we beat you at your own game. Like, deal with it. And those, that's not happening in my mind. That's There's no game that's being played against Wall Street. There's no game that's being played. It's just people who want to get rich quick. And again, if you want to gamble on it, that's fine. That's your money. You've earned the right to use your money whenever way you want. But to me, it's comparing apples to oranges. I have the utmost respect for people who are still holding GME. I honestly love them. The people I know who are holding them, are. <laughs> I'm fond of them. Uh, the people who are still holding Doge, I try to ask them if I can short it every single day through that. There's a big difference in my mind. Yeah, that's interesting. So the GME AMC thing sort of fits with your kind of overall thesis with crypto as well of trying to um, disrupt the system and create an alternative system that is outside, um, you know, the uh, we'll call them the everyday practices of Wall Street. Yeah, yeah, exactly. To be honest, when I bought GME, I did not, I know some people believe in the fundamentals and the technicals and whatnot. I'm not one of those people. I'm not opposed to it, but like, I just bought a new Xbox controller last week. It was cheaper on target than it was on GME. Like what, I'm a consumer. I want the cheapest price for the right. same product, but I'm not holding GME because I believe that they're gonna turn it around and, and be the best company in the world. I'm holding it because of what it stands for. It's it's anti-Wall Street. It's It's a, giant F you to the establishment that like, you don't get to just make the rules and then benefit from this. We have a say in this as well. To me, that's not represented in the dog coins and the mean coins in any way, shape or form. Yeah, that's certainly true. All right. I, I So I do wonder though, if the same platforms that are making it accessible to trade GME and AMC it, 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 that same kind of mentality is also making it a, a, making it possible to easily trade Dogecoin. So it's you know it is you know I'm, I'm thinking particularly of, of Robinhood, right? You you get on Robinhood and I can see that it's up 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 and to the right, and I want in on it. And that's you know there are the philosophers and the you know the technical people uh, who are into GameStop and who are into AMC, and then there's the other crowd that logs into their AMC or their Robinhood app and sees it's up and to the right, and like I want some of that. Yeah, they're apes. It, it feels it feels to me that there's a little bit of that going on with with doge and that's kind of where i see the connection is there there are there is the original there's the original crowd and they're kind of just it's a it's a big kind of goofy joke for them they're having fun they're it's you know it's a 
it, they're just it's a parody, right? And that's what it was created as. Yeah, and it's and, something and, in common with Drew what you were saying about GME, where it's like I really don't care. I don't care if it goes up. I just want to be involved, and you want to be involved because it's part of a a sort of you know Jesus turning over the money tables fight against the Wall Street system. But these guys are just like you know as as Vitalik said, it was on that Lex uh, Friedman interview that I heard a few months ago. He was like, ah, it was cute, seemed fun. I'm in. Who cares? You know, yeah. he he put some money in that he could just afford to lose and said, why not? And then the masses come when they see it up and they log into Robinhood and see it up into the right. Well, that's where I kind of see it together. Yeah, to, so anyway, me, that's where, to me, that's where it gets um, potentially dangerous and and kind of sad. Honestly, I, I had a friend who came to me. Um, and said, you know, I'm having trouble logging into my Kraken account. And this was before he uh, before I joined Coinbase. So, uh, you know, um, otherwise, I certainly would have been like, hey, let me stop you right there, sir. But uh, <laughs> but he came to me and said, I'm having trouble logging into my Kraken account because Kraken, you have to use like seven passwords to get in. So uh, he said, I want to buy Doge. He said, will you buy the Doge for me? Um and I said, why do you want to buy Doge? He says it was it was April 19th. And he says, well, tomorrow is 420. It's Doge Day and Doge is going to the moon for Doge Day. So you got to buy it now. And I told him, I was like, man, I don't know. You know, is there any it was like I really went into car salesman. It was like, what is it going to take to get you into Samith today? You know, like, would you just buy Bitcoin, Ethereum, Polkadot, Cosmos, you know, Chainlink? I've got 12 coins, any one of which is is uh, more, um, you know, has a better outlook long term than Doge. Would you consider any of those? And he said, no, you don't understand. I don't have a lot of money to invest. For me, none of those investments are going to do anything for me that's going to change my life. Um, I have to invest in something like Doge. For me, Doge is the only chance I have to make life altering money. And that was basically like not quite verbatim, but but that was yeah. essentially what he said. Now, of course, the irony is that from then to now, if he had bought ETH, he would be up. Instead, he's down. So, yeah. um, you know, it's it. But uh, yeah, uh, on the one hand, it's like, well, dude, you get what you paid for. But on the other hand, you know, it, it's it strikes me as sad. And that's what I was saying earlier. You know, like when people like Elon Musk and uh, and um, uh, what's his name, Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban. Yeah, they're just aping around on LinkedIn and on Twitter and saying, oh, yeah, ha, ha, ha. It's like, yeah, dude, ha, ha, ha. But there are people who are who are putting money in this who are really like staking their hopes on it. And it's not fair. It just feels like they're being sort of taken advantage of in a sense. And it's yeah. America. Everyone has the right to do with their own money what they want. But I, I there does feel a little bit. It's just ugly to me. It's it's sad, you know. I would be remiss if I didn't comment on this. I, you mentioned it earlier, Adam, and I, I just kind of left it out. But I think that uh, not that Mark Cuban or Elon Musk will ever listen to this podcast, but what they're doing is it's unethical would be a polite way to put it. It's despicable. It's disgusting. Uh, they don't they're not doing anything to forward the crypto economy. They're not doing anything to educate people. They have an amount of money that could change societal issues and yet they're here toying around on Twitter because they're bored. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm a huge Dallas Mavericks fan. I'm wearing a Mavericks hat right now. I spent all of my college Pell Grant going on a road trip to watch the Mavs. I've met Mark nice. Cuban. I've shook his hand. I've exchanged emails. 
but like nothing has made me more uninterested in in a coin than Mark Cuban. Like yeah. a guy sold a business before a dot com bubble, and the other guy got kicked off of PayPal and hasn't made a dollar of profit in his existence. And they're <laughs> they're suddenly they're suddenly the experts of the crypto economy. Yeah. Like give yeah. me a break. Like it's not that you're not intelligent or you can't add value. But all these people who are jumping in because of Elon Musk or Mark Cuban, like, please, I beg you, you don't have to listen to me. You don't have to like me, but please stop making decisions off of them. They are not the voice of reason in the crypto economy. And it is it is sad. Like you said, I'm probably a bit harsh on these dog and meme investors. Some people do view it as their only chance. And, and that is sad. But I would ask, like, what are you intending to do with that investment? Back to yeah. your point, like with Bitcoin or Ethereum, those are things that hopefully in the near future you can use. You can run smart contracts on the Ethereum blockchain. You can use Bitcoin as a payment system at a number of vendors already. Like, what are you planning to do with Doge other than sell it to somebody else at a higher price? Yeah, I don't have yeah. an answer to that. No, the thing that, you know, it, it's um, the thing that that I sort of try to stick with when I invest in anything like NFTs or coins or even stocks is, you know, I hope I make money off this, but if I don't, then at least I will feel like I participated in something that I felt like had value as a technology that I want to help further. Like I want in, I want to help. What can I do to help? You know, you want money? Great. I can get a profit back even better. You know, when I buy NFTs and I bought a few, my general thesis is get in for artistic reasons, get out for financial reasons. So I don't buy it because I think, oh, you know, I can buy this at this price and flip it in a month for something greater. I get into it because I think I really like this. And if it goes to zero, I'll still have it and I'll still like it. Um, you know, and and uh, I think that, um, you know, sticking to that kind of perspective um, I always feel like at least, you know, Hey, we tried, you know what I mean? You were, you participated in a project to try and build a technology or promote a piece of art or, or a project or community or whatever. Um, then, uh, you know, there's, there's something that I can hold on to, even if it ends up not making me money or losing me money. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, to the extent that people feel that way about the, the meme coins or the dog coins, um, you know, okay. But, uh, I, I think it's, it's difficult. And, and as I say, oftentimes kind of sad when you see people running in who are like, I don't know what it is, but I heard it's going up. And it's like that old joke they used to tell that, you know, when your cab driver recommends you a stock, that's when you know that, that it's topping. It's kind of that same feeling. You know, my, uh, my girlfriend's mom came to town and she was like, so I just bought something called Doggy coin, dog coin. Do you know what this is? And I was like, who told you to buy that? You know? So it's, you know, it's, it's, you hear those things and you're like gulp, <laughs> you know, this certainly feels like a top. <laughs> so, so it's, um, you know, it, it's, uh, I think it's, it's an interesting market, I guess, um, Drew, we, we probably end up where we started with, with what you said, which is, you know, what are your principles? Invest in your principles. If yeah. your beliefs are that Doge has merit because it's funny and you're a child of the internet and you like it, then via con Dios, you might make money or you might not. But um, if you're just jumping in here because you see the chart going up and to the right and you think you're going to get a lottery ticket out of this, 
you know, there is a good chance that you're uh, going to end up feeling like you just uh, were exit liquidity for somebody who got in two years ago. So, um, yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, I, I want to make a comment. I was checking. I'm trying to find a date here. Um, and then I got a question for Drew. Uh, so, you know, in 2000, I think it was 2007, I opened up my first account with Thinkorswim, which in many ways was they were the Robin Hood of, you know, 15 years ago. And I mean, when I opened the account, they sent me a monkey. Uh, I used to, I kept it in my office for years, but it was kind of, they were the renegades, Tom Sosnov. And, and so I started trading. I had no idea what I was doing. I remember one of my first trades I put in, um, the Thinkorswim platform, uh, the default is 10 contracts. And I accidentally bought 10 contracts on, I didn't know that. I, I was just trying to buy one, bought 10 contracts on the spy. Well, so just, to, yeah, to, just for reference, 10 contracts is a thousand shares. Right, exactly. A thousand shares on the S&P 500, yeah. which at the so, time was probably 200, 250. It's so, a huge position. Yeah, big trade. And, and a tiny move, just, I mean, your profit and loss is just wild. And I have, I mean, my hands were, my palms were literally sweating because I remember just watching like $2,000 evaporate from my account and then $3,000 emerge. My P&L was, I was up three, then I was done. And eventually I, once I figured out what was going on, I, I hit the cell, I wiped it at close and I was down like $500 or something like that. But I lost for the first couple of years, I lost so much money. I mean, nothing significant, but I lost money. And and one of the things that bothers me around some of these conversations is, is basically talk about, well, we need to, to do something about all the access that people have to trading because they don't really know what they're doing. And, and had that been the case, I would have never really been able to gain the skills that I think in, in many ways is giving me life transforming money. Now I didn't make it in one day or, you know, 400 days like the guy and yeah, the um, guy who, who made 5 billion on Shiba. Right. Right. And, and to, I don't even have that many in the millions, but I, I have been able to to make enough money to over the past 10 years. It's really been life transforming. Let me buy a house I love and things like that. And, uh, and, and, and that was only because I was able to play around on a platform and lose money. And, and I think that's part of what's going to happen is you have a lot of people who are they're new to the financial markets. And I think if you give them five to 10 years, they'll, they'll increasingly get a, a they'll get either in, they'll, they'll build sophistication, they'll become better investors, better traders, or they'll learn that, you know what, I have no business doing this and I should hire a financial advisor and then they can come to me. But I want to, I have a question for, for Drew, um, because I kind of get the sense that maybe you're the philosopher crowd. Like you got into Bitcoin or you got into the blockchain because you believed in the possibility. Uh, so I'd be interested in your story. Like how did you, what brought you to this space? How did you end up getting involved? How'd you get it? Like what ended up bringing you to Coinbase, but more importantly, what was your your on ramp um, to this world? Yeah, great question. I uh, to be honest, I first bought Bitcoin in 2016, and it was because I wanted to bet on NFL games, and I could not legally do it in the state that I was in. And uh, at that time, it was drug money and used for Silk Road and everything. Yeah. So I'll be frank; I didn't really know what I was investing in either. So I I should. I don't want to be the uh, 
the pot calling the kettle black or whatever that expression is, uh, criticizing the Doge investors too much. Cause that was similar for me when I first invested in Bitcoin. But I mean, I started learning about it quickly and I just loved it. I was working for yeah. Goldman Sachs at the time and it was two completely different worlds. Uh, one of them was power to the people, protect your money. Uh, you know, you own this wealth. Uh, it's completely decentralized. And then the other end of the spectrum was I, I wasn't I was in high school during the financial crisis to age myself. I didn't really care, to be honest. And so I started learning about it as I was working for Goldman. And I thought, this is unbelievable. Yeah, you found out that the guy sitting upstairs from you had caused the whole thing. Right. You're like, you know, (laughs) your CEO is celebrated every single day and and you go to your orientation and uh, somebody says, I did get a bailout and a bonus with a smile on their face. Oh, yeah. You don't really know what that means at the time. But then you look into it and you're like, holy shit, like. These people just preyed upon the American dream to deepen their own pockets. And to me, Bitcoin, from a philosophical standpoint, is the complete opposite of that. Like it is you are in control of your money and therefore control of your time. Like you are not you are not tied down to any system or or construct that's been built in society that was is taking advantage of you. It gives you the opportunity to, to use the money. I don't know. I'm, be, I'm being repetitive here, but like to me, yes, I hope to get gains from my investment in Bitcoin. In my mind, you have an opportunity to front run institutions and increase your net worth and build wealth in a way that we don't know of has ever existed in the history of time that we've been yeah. alive. People still say, oh, well, it's at 60,000. It won't go up like Doge. I, I can't imagine a better investment right now than Bitcoin. Maybe Ethereum, maybe. But like to me, it's I hate the cliches, but it's the beginning. Like this is something that could revolutionize the way that the monetary system works and financial transactions take place across the world. So uh, from, as I'm, I'm rambling. The shorter answer to your question is that I originally got into it just gambling because yeah. it was an easier way to, to bet on my diehard sports teams. But then the more I learned about it, the more I thought this is like, this is a part of who I am at the very core. And it should be a part of who every one of us is at the very core. It is, it is a foundational truth about money that like, it it should excite you. It should make you passionate. It should open your eyes to the way that money should work, not the way that money has worked. Yeah. Right on. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I will say just quickly, I mean, the, 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 the person besides Adam who kind of brought me into the blockchain crypto world, the, the pers- first person to really help me rethink it was a guy named Tyrone Ross, uh, uh, who uh, actually runs a, a company now for advisors called OnRamp that, that helps advisors be able to manage crypto assets. Um, but I was listening to a, a podcast, I think it was a Bloomberg podcast, and he was talking about the possibilities for unbanked communities. So he'd grown up in a community that was highly unbanked. And he, he said, you know, they don't, not only are they unbanked, but they don't trust banks. And, and so the ability to be able to control their own wealth, to, to control their own destiny using block or Bitcoin is, is really transformative. And, and so that kind of helped me begin to rethink about it because I just kind of always kind of equated it with the Winklevoss twins and Pomp. Um, not that there's anything wrong with either of them, but it just wasn't, I didn't really see kind of this, this broader use. Um, and that's what kind of made yeah. me rethink it. Well, there, there are issues with all three of them, but we don't have time for that. So we'll say that for another, <laughs> another day. Podcast. But I agree, 
I, I do agree that that's something you don't often consider being in America and having a bank on every corner, but uh, yeah. another huge benefit as well. So. Yeah. All right. So Drew, last question, our customary last question. If you, if you have one, what is your favorite item at Trader Joe's? Oh, wow. That's a great question. I just discovered trade. I mean, I know it's existed, but I just went through for the first time by myself a month ago. <laughs> and uh, I, it's going to be very cliche, but that butternut squash mac and cheese, I think it's, it's so seasonal. good. Yeah. It's incredible. It's inc- you only get two per customer though. So take a friend and, you know, <laughs> steal theirs out of the and basket. And then beat them up in the parking lot and take their butternut squash mac and cheese. Exactly. Yeah, you get it, Adam. Yep. <laughs> right on. Well, that's a very seasonally appropriate answer. So thank you. Of course. All right. And thank you guys for having me. I've enjoyed the opportunity to talk and, and visit and hope I haven't offended too many of your listeners. Yeah. I mean, we'll we'll find out how the data is and, and uh, we'll let you know if the death threat volume goes up or down. Yeah, we exactly. Have, we have advanced metrics for these things, so we'll let you know. We'll just we'll forward all the death threats to you. Yeah, so. that's fine. I welcome it. I, it adds fuel to the fire. I oh, love do you want to? I leave it to you. Do you want to share your Twitter handle? People can at you argue about dog yeah, coins. Can. Yeah, sure, absolutely. I'm not super active on Twitter, but I love an opportunity to troll anybody. So it's <laughs> at doctor underscore u e w. It's just. Drew spelled with a period in the middle, Dr. Who. So Dr. Underscore EW. Right on. Okay, cool. All right, man. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the time. Uh, I know you've been fighting a cold, so uh, thanks for pulling it together. Yeah, uh, appreciate it. Game day performer, Drew Pendleton. Thank you. That's right. Michael Jordan flu game right here. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it as well. All right. All right. Well, thanks very much. All right. So there it was. Um, As I promised. Drew Pendleton, not pulling his punches, not holding back, giving us all of the feelings, all of uh, his his uh, studied opinions about uh, dog coins for good and for ill, warts and all, mostly warts in Drew's view. But there you have it. Um, really appreciate him making time to come on. Uh, nice to get him for an hour and and just, you know, chop it up, chew the fat, uh, hang out electronically about this stuff. So um, thank you to Drew. Thank you to Kevin. Thank you to everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode about another thing. I honestly don't know what it will be, but you will definitely not want to miss it. Okay. Thanks very much. See you next week. Bye.